Rick Madison, Rick and Friends. And uh, today, special guest, good man. Like he's a good, good man. Strong family man. Mm. <laughs> and here's the other best part. Um, very good, handsome. Well, and and uh, good sense of humor, as, as stated by that last comment. So uh, we'd like to welcome to the big show the... Uh, the man, the myth, uh, chair of the Central Okanagan Journey Home Society, Scott Lanigan. You got it right. I'm so proud of you. Ah, those are the fans going that is, insane. I just heard them. They're like. So I have to ask the question because how long have you been dealing in this homeless space? Because you're not home. You're not homeless, but you have this empathetic heart. Correct. You, you, you dove into this. And and you've spent countless hours dealing with this massive issue that is facing Kelowna, which will be a big and bigger issue as we get closer to the municipal election. Correct. Um, but it seems like you've devoted I don't even know how many hours of of time to this. Do we have a figure? Uh, the figure would be tough to quantify. It's over the course of the last about seven years, specifically in Kelowna, uh, but. You know, previous to that, just in different occupational pursuits, it started a long time ago working with uh, different segments. I, I uh, was a director of human resources at a lumber mill in Alberta. And right during the oil patch when it was taken off, we needed to find different alternatives to uh, finding employees. And so partnered with the mustard seed at the time there and we created this uh, work to hire program with that crew. And that was because uh, I really believe that, you know, giving people a second opportunity or another chance to, to kind of perform and move forward and contribute in society was a really high value. And then previous to that, I, I've been overseas a number of times to different, mostly impoverished countries and working from Mexico to Bolivia to Peru and individuals that, again, are, you know, caught in uh, the margins or outside of the margins, however you want to put it, and in a place of difficulty that w once you experience that, your eyes get opened a bit to your own community. So it's not just out there, it's actually here. And so I I really am a big advocate for uh, whatever you do in your local community, you should, community should actually think of doing globally. And whatever you do globally, you should actually do in your local community. Like you can't separate the two. You have to have kind of eyes wide open. So in experiencing all of that, um, when we moved to Kelowna, and I, I really kind of said, what are those things that are need, needed here? And then started building some of those relationships and conversations, which led to the Journey Home Task Force and being invited on that. And then, you know, the rest is history, if you will, to get to this point of chairing the board. And it's been uh, momentous, exciting, depressing. It's been kind of everything in between because it's such a large issue facing not only Kelowna, obviously, but around the world. So that's kind of how it how it evolved. And I would say, you know, it's hundreds of hours for sure, but I don't think anybody that volunteers and you're a big volunteer, Rick, I know you did boys and girls uh, clubs and a whole bunch of different things. Did I say that correctly? It was big well, brothers, boys, uh, big brothers. Thank you. Thank you. Big I brothers, big sisters That's of right. the central Okanagan. So boys and girls, I was close. I was super close. <laughs> I just, you always get my title wrong. So I just felt like I owed you. Um, but you know, you know, you don't actually add up the hours. You just go, man, there's some, there's a value here. There's something that's driving you. So you invest in that. But, but uh, the reason I ask is because had you, had you known, I guess, and a lot of people would be like this, um, is it's a lightning rod for criticism. Because oh, yeah. it, I mean, anybody, uh, I, I would say a, a number of guests that come on the show, someone's been affected. And and again, I hate to say this, but homelessness bleeds into crime, bleeds into mental addiction. And, and uh, there's a whole host of things that come with this, 
this issue. And I think a lot of people have been affected by that. So, you know, rightly or wrongly, obviously not a lot of people have a positive experience Correct. in regards to homelessness. So that's why it is imperative that I think we tackle this issue. We get, you know, good minds around the table and we start to really address what are we, what are we doing? And, you know, Today, we're going to chat about the midterm report. Yes, we are. Of uh, Journey Home and just figure out where we're at. So uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation. I I am too, Rick. And thanks for inviting me to Rick and friends to participate in said conversation. I would just suggest that. I think the reason it's so front of mind is, you know, in our everyday lives, when you're presented with something that makes you a little uncomfortable or uh, repeatedly uncomfortable because it kind of seems to be uh, unending, it, it really causes a dissonance. And that dissonance, you can respond one of two ways. You can be a contributor uh, or you can be uh, a, a finger pointer. And and I think my challenge to people in hearing this and even in investing in whatever local community they're in, especially in the uh, Okanagan, be a participant, you know, engage with, with the situation and probably understand. And I think that's what you're trying to do here. So I really appreciate it. Well, listen, uh, I, I think I love I love the diplomacy you just used in the last statement, which is <laughs> in, instead of criticize, jump in and help. Um, and we'll talk a bit a bit more about uh, how people can jump in and help because I think again I I don't know if a lot of people have have actually consciously thought this is a huge issue. How do I help? I, I don't know if a lot mm. of people even know how. Like yeah. what mechanism can I do because I'm someone who doesn't have, you know, maybe the time or the wherewithal, but maybe there's different, there, there's different ways you can help and, and there's different ways to tackle the issue in your own ways, instead of just throwing a comment up on a forum and, you Correct. Know. And like, obviously, you know, an individual with complex needs that you're, you're, you know, you're work downtown Kelowna and you see an individual that yells every day or seems to be, you know, um, in a I different- I think I know the individual <laughs> you're thinking of. It seems to be in a different state of being. That, that's not somebody you want to engage with because that, that takes a complex um, orchestration of wraparound supports that are really going to help that individual. Rather, the places you can contribute are meaningful ways for people that are either living with homelessness or at the risk of homelessness, and they're co contributing sector organizations. So, for example, the Okanagan Food Bank like a, a great place where there's a number of people there that don't want to be, uh, you know, clients of the food bank. And you can actually offer and help give back, which contributes to, or the Child Advocacy Center, you know, where that, that's for minors that are reporting uh, sexual abuse of some kind and, you know, to volunteer with them and help them out. Or Helen's Acres, which is growing food for Okanagan Food Bank. You know, there's a lot of those peripheral, in, in, in you know, organizations that are actually helping because it all it's all on a continuum. So you may not be interacting with that individual who's been on the street for 25 years, but you're actually actually working with with organizations that will help people and perhaps stop individuals today from ending up on the street tomorrow. So I have a, a bit of a anecdotal story, which is oh. the, as you know, Jennifer, my lovely Jennifer, um, is volunteer coordinator at the food bank. And a lot of times homeless people walk up to yeah. the food bank to say, can I get a sandwich? Can I get a yogurt or whatever? And, uh, and Just again, as a as a point of interest, what's your favorite sandwich, Rick? Uh, you know what? Probably a capicoli. 
Yeah. That's a solid choice. I know, right? And uh, it, and it's delicious. Yeah, it right? is always delicious. It's never going to leave Medi- you unsatisfied. Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. But you need, so at the Harvest Golf Club. Yeah. It's just weird to say Harvest Golf Club in a homelessness No, I respect subject. that. It, you, um, it feels a bit bougie, but that's but, okay. <laughs> but at the turn, like on the bread and oh. everything else, just delicious. So she is, uh, she's giving away these sandwiches. And, and for me, and again, I'm not trying to, but- it seems like everywhere you go in the city, uh, rail trail, like it seems like they're, they're no longer is it just downtown, but we're talking That's about right. various sectors of the city. There just seems to be a proliferation. Um, again, I think it's going to be a massive issue and a political hot potato going into the municipal election. You think? Oh, I, I, and, and, and really overarching. Like, totally. I mean, now, a lot of candidates are saying, I will fix this problem. I will do this. I will do that. As you know, it's a convoluted problem, yeah. complex, and it and it has to have partnership with the province, yeah. with federal. Where do you stand with with that? Like when you hear candidates say, "I will do something," like "I will do this," do you kind of go with a wry grin? Mm, you can have advocacy, but you cannot fundamentally move this forward unless you get. I don't know, justice system on board and like RCMP, like there's so many different stakeholders with this issue. Yeah, I, I first I want to see their track record of where they've engaged with the sector so that they have an awareness and an understanding. Because I think just to kind of throw it out there that hey, I can help is naive because it can't be just a municipal response, just what you said. There's provincial and federal responses that are absolutely critical to any type of community overcoming and getting to functional zero. So to me, they, they I, when they say that, I want to hear what's your plan? What are you offering to contribute? And how are you going to contribute? Are you looking at helping to fundraise for Journey Home? Are you looking to, you know, supplement the RCMP or interior health? What are you trying to do that's going to um, respond to those people? Because we have to remember they're individuals. And anytime we say, hey, we should just move these people here or do these, to me, that's not responding to the individual need. That's why our lived experience circle on homelessness is so critical in our own community. It's individuals who are presently living in a homeless situation or have lived experience. And their advocates and their voice is pertinent and important to the success overall of of any type of response to homelessness in the community. So if those candidates are going, hey, I'm I've talked to some lived experience folks and I'm working now now I'm giving them a much larger platform because I'm going, okay, they're actually talking to the right people in the right spot. They're just not coming up with something like I, you know, I can say I know what it takes to run Apple. You know, and and I could say you know, I don't have a hot clue what it takes to run a, you know an organization of that stature and size, um, but I could just put my hand and pretend you know either pretend or just think I have ideas. When in reality, I won't have a hot clue until I get involved and understand the complexity of that organization. And, and and I do think, and I get this, that they're currying favor with the voters to try and say, I will move the needle forward yeah. because you're frustrated and you're angry and you're. You know, your son's bike was stolen or whatever it is. And and I think that's the key is, that, you know, they're just trying to get votes and I get all that. Yeah. But I just, I often think, okay, you know, it, it, it's okay to go in on a platform. It's okay to have direction of, of what things you want to move forward. And obviously homelessness is a, is a big issue. But I, I do think it's just, it's got so many fingers uh, that, again, um, 
between all the services, all the agencies, all the nonprofits, yeah. interior health, Canadian mental health, federal, like, I mean, as you know, there's just so many different agencies that have interest and, and, and obviously they're trying to help. So I, I wonder sometimes if it's just, uh, put it on your platform but be very careful with how you word that. Very careful because, you know, and, and Rick, you, you know, we can pick any type of topic in your life. So, you know, if you've um, had, uh, you know, uh, been experiencing a miscarriage in your relationship and, uh, you know, your partner or your wife experienced a miscarriage and and uh, somebody comes and tries to give you advice that have never experienced a miscarriage, right? You, you take that completely differently than somebody mm-hmm. that goes, hey, I've been there. I've walked that road. Same with cancer or whatever else. When, when you understand the same way somebody else understands, again, it's their story. It's a different story. But when you can go, hey, I can relate to that, that's, I, I have much more runway for that person because I know they get at least certain elements of it. And so to me, I would be very careful as I can, if I was a candidate in this election to what I put in place. You know, if I, if you have a posture of going, you know what, I don't have all the results or the answers. I'm not completely sure what a response is, but what I'm willing to do is listen. What I'm willing to do is contribute. That is a wonderful posture to take because that posture means you're open to understanding. You're open Mm -hmm. to kind of taking the next step. By the way, you've opened up a can of worms for me because one of the one of the biggest social faux pas in my life. Just is one? That, is there just one? Well, there's several, and yeah. I've 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 put my size ten in my mouth several times. But what's interesting to me is when people say, "Hey, um, are you guys having kids? Do you have plans of having kids?" Not knowing right. that they have been trying, and they cannot fundamentally totally. conceive. And that is, you know, and, and it creates this awful awkwardness. And, and again, this is from a voice of experience. Yep. There's certain paths. And, and we think it's we think it's something we should say. It's like, no, especially or grabbing somebody's glasses and going, man, you are blind. Like it just, yeah, it's you just, just don't do that. No, you don't. And, and why people feel the necessity to do that. I don't know if it's discomfort or they're feeling awkward or maybe they don't know what to say. So I'm like, I better say something, you know, and you're like, no, better say nothing. Actually, I've, I've worked a lot in hospice uh, locally here too. And, and often I tell people, hey, if you're going to meet somebody in hospice, the best thing sometimes is just quiet. Just yeah. just being present. That That's wonderful. Mm. And, and you don't always need to say something. You, you really don't. You just need to be yourself and just be present. And just somebody that's present there. And, and people think sometimes, well, I better crack a joke or I better, you know. Yeah, kinda, when's this room available? Hey, hey, hey. This has uh, been here long. Not, not funny. <laughs> no. Like, I mean, although I. No, I understand I, where you're going with that. And <laughs> It's an awful joke, really. So a question I was asked and, and I actually didn't have an answer, which is odd, um, which is how are the, this homeless, homeless population getting here? And with the new Flare Airlines at $39 for direct flights, yeah. you actually start to think maybe they are coming through air. Greyhound's not here anymore. Um, like, honestly, because I, I would imagine Journey Home has stats yeah. on how much new population... And and when you're homeless, I would I would think not a lot of resources. Yeah, but uh, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, or there's ideas something called that? a point in time count. So those are done throughout the year, and and, and it's if people are willing and uh, the teams go out on the streets to uh, get information about those that seem to be experiencing homeless. So you know ours are in the 200 range, 230 at at times throughout the the course of the year, except 
obviously in the spring and summer in the Okanagan, mm. that grows because right, sure. of just temperature. You know, there are individuals who will move from community to community based on the weather patterns of uh, Canada. That's so in our season of Kelowna in the summer, obviously we're going to have a higher um, group of those experiencing homelessness on our street. So that is indeed the case. But, you know, the the bigger portion is those are at those who are at risk of homelessness. That is a much larger number in our community. If you think of it as an upside down uh, pyramid, uh, we see the bottom or the tip of the pyramid are individuals that are experiencing homeless right, real time. We see them on the streets time and time again, rail trail, etc. The larger group, and actually it's estimated in Kelowna to be between three and 5,000 mm. individuals that are at risk of homelessness. That's the, you know, the single parent perhaps, or the person that's working on uh, low to, you know, uh, moderate wage that is uh, check to paycheck to paycheck, you know, at risk of, of rent. And, and I'm sure your lovely bride, Jen, has seen that at the food bank, how much of an increase there has been in this last, especially in this last year to year and a half of individuals using the services of the food bank that don't want to be there, that wouldn't typically be there, but literally, with inflationary rates and those type of things, that that's where that can can um, plummet. Also, I, I mean, part of me increase. Also, I think when when um, issues like the pandemic or stress or something in the life that we just talked about, you know, maybe it's it's exactly a situation to talk about. We can't have kids, and it creates a relational fracture. And sometimes that can put people into a state of addiction or mental health, which often and sometimes can result in homelessness as well. So those are the type of pieces that all contribute to this. So we can't just think, oh, it's those people sitting on the street or pushing the shopping cart around. It actually is a much larger in a group of individuals who we have to be cognizant of. That's why affordable housing is such a significant issue in Kelowna, not just for those individuals on the street, because some of those individuals are, are requiring complex needs housing. So those wrap around the supports, but a, a large majority of people in our community are at risk of being homeless because they can't afford anymore to live here. Affordable housing is a tricky one. So even if we opened up, let's say, I don't even know, 400 beds within Kelowna, do we earmark them for people that have lived here for a year or two? Like I, I always wonder about if we're truly trying to address the problem of people of residents in Kelowna. And again, there's that look after our own, but does that ever come into play? Or do you think that's a, an idea that we should probably explore, which is, okay, we have a certain amount of population. We have 400 beds that have just opened. We need to counteract these increasing numbers, but we have that influx of people every single month, every single week. Do we give it to the new ones or give it to the pre-existing ones? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's ever been addressed. Yeah, it's a great question. I don't think that actually has necessarily been addressed specifically. I'll write it in my notes here, Rick, to find out an answer for that. Because it, it actually is a great perspective. What I do think, it's going to take a a creative and a broader response. So I just saw a special on CBS News regarding a community in New York that back in the 70s, I believe it was called Newcastle, and I will correct myself if I'm wrong on that later on, but they, uh, it was this property was about 16 uh, city blocks that was useless. Everybody deemed it useless garbage dump, and it was completely run down, and nobody wanted it. And so this group, it, ha it happened to be a bunch of different, like the diet, Anglican diet, Diocese, Catholic diocese, and a bunch of different faith communities got together and said, we're going to purchase this community. We're going to 
turn it into affordable housing. And so uh, specifically for those uh, minorities that were highly represented in that time, which was Latino and African-American. And so these organizers got together, met with the, it was Ed, uh, what was his name? The mayor at the time. Again, I'm gapping in my uh, information. Okay. Anyways, uh, and he sold it to him for a buck uh, a block, right? And so they they paid 16 bucks for this and then they created this housing. And they said that the generational impact of equity building from the 1970s has literally transformed that community because they were able to help people get into a housing that was affordable and it was 40 grand at the time is what they charged for a house. And then in doing so, individuals who couldn't afford, and a lot of them were already dual income, they just couldn't afford to live in New York at the time, has, has transformed that neighborhood and that community. So it was a creative approach. I think we need some of those creative approaches as well like we've we've onboarded a number of different housing units we've had 300 units for people experiencing chronic or episodic homelessness with higher needs we have 35 units of housing developed for youth across two sites we have 10 new youth treatment beds for recovery we have overdose prevention uh, services available in safer shelters and then we've got uh, a hygiene clinic that opened up with uh, a temporary winter shelter i I did a tour of that that's right yeah so that opened up during pandemic as well which was showers and clothes and um, you know addiction recovery services and uh, uh, harm reduction as well and so all of those are contributors and so we can't just think of one you know one way of like hey if we get these new units what is it it, it has to be a much broader comprehensive approach to what it looks like and I really believe you know in in those that are involved in the housing sector in the construction sector in you know city planning sector have to be creative and that's often difficult within the paradigms and policies that we already have lived in for so many years to go what are some really cool responses like take a look at Sweden and some of those other countries in Europe they're in being incredibly creative with how they respond to affordable housing across the community and how uh, they've empowered workplaces and They've reduced working hours for individuals as well. And and again, you just yeah, I think we, we get so caught up in North America that we, you know we we have to do it a certain way because we've always done it that way. And I just go, why don't we take a step back and and let's get some creative minds around the table to go if we could. You know, it's kind of like you know in in my business. And I'm sure there's a lot of other businesses as you've experienced as well, Rick, in your consulting. That you know I I said instead of going back to what we were. We, we did, what, what what could we do if we we're going to do it again? Like how, how if you're going to go, instead of starting over, what what about uh, starting new, right? So part of me, instead of going back, what about starting over? And if we were to start over our business or start over, what would we do differently than what we were doing before? There was a, there's a film, um, Where to Invade Next, and, and it was a Michael Moore produced film. And it's all about taking the best ideas from countries, obviously not invaded, but he says in in Italy they have a, a shortened work week and they have lots of holidays because hmm. and they were interviewing these people from the Ducati factory and and they said okay where do you want to move and they said the United States and he says okay what do you think as far as time off goes if you started a position tomorrow in the United States and they said oh, I don't know um, this is exciting uh, eight weeks twelve weeks twelve weeks off and he says you won't get two weeks until you're after their year. And they were gobsmacked yeah, because land of opportunity, this is the world of dreams and they could not wrap their head around because they come from, no, if, if, if your wife has a child, you actually get time off for that, to raise that child. And, and that's, 
And maybe on the flip side, that's why all those countries are on the verge of bankruptcy. Anyway, <laughs> but but I still find it interesting yeah. that you, you're right. There's a we used to call it business topography, where you look at another business, maybe in a different sector, take ideas from them to utilize for your own category. Because quite often the idea has been solved, but it's just not within the same category. So you have to actually look. It was like um, Jenny Craig wanted to find out how do we keep people on this diet program and it was actually uh um, a martial artist had an idea for how you reward people with belts and its recognition factor and every step along the way you have to do this in order to keep them involved and anyway i i think that's what you're saying is we need to look outside of the paradigm and maybe start to uh to look innovative but i mean <laughs> uh i I think it needs money. Absolutely. <laughs> I just think it needs money. Like honestly, I, I think it needs to be. Uh, I, I think it needs money and some creativity. So uh, here's a little um, uh, trivia question for you: mm -hmm. uh, When IPOs were first implemented in 2004, uh, who's had the hot? What companies had the highest return? Would you guess? Uh, what of countries? any of the big companies? No, any big companies that have had the highest return since uh, since IPOs were started in okay. two thousand four. Uh, companies, so Apple, Microsoft, Great um, yeah, Amazon. Who do you um, think's the highest out of all of those? I would say uh, Amazon. You know what? You'd be wrong because the number one is Domino's Pizza. Come on. Yeah, dead serious. And and uh, it's fascinating if you do a study on Domino's Pizza, how they've literally uh, taken all of what would be the originally thought is this is what we should do to, to deliver pizza, create pizza, make pizza. And and they threw it all against the wall and said, what do we, what do we want to do and how can we be so creative? And they have literally transformed their company in so many different ways within the sector of pizza making to be the most uh, the, the most uh, profitable IPO since its inception. And and one of those that most people don't know is you can actually uh, text a pizza icon to Domino's and they'll deliver pizza to you. Come on. Uh, yep, dead serious. So that's one of those things, right? At least in the States. I haven't tried it in Canada. But that, but that is, you know, working with the times, being creative, uh, kind of finding new mediums and mechanisms. And I think often we get so caught in our way or a certain way of thinking or being. And you know that, you you know, working with a lot of people in marketing, when you brainstorm, you go, there's no bad idea, although there are some really bad ideas. But well, it's interesting too. I was in a creative summit where they had an exercise for us, which was come up with different types of luggage. And so, you know, waterproof and, and resistant to uh, impact proof and then multi wheels so you could flip it over. And, and so she said, okay, have we exhausted every type of luggage there is? And we said, yeah, yeah, we have. She goes, okay, do it again. And, and, and so mm -hmm. we did, we dove back in and it was incredible. Right. And the second tier, the second stage, we actually came up with one or two that that literally usurped the initial uh, brainstorming. And and she said, that's the power of the mind yeah. where just when you think you're tapped out, there's actually a brilliant gem there, but you just need to push through that wall. Uh, the, the, the scene wall in your head of this is the limitation. That's I right. can't go any further. It's like doing pull-ups, not that you've ever done any pull-ups, but if you did do pull-ups, you would find that there's the initial exhaustion and then you can force your way through that. I, I listen, 
Do you remember that the when the uh, competition back in junior high or high school and it was the excellence awards where you get the gold or the excellence was the red one oh, in, and in chess I, club I, in chess club <laughs> those were the workout things you had to do I got gold the entire way Rick I, I was one short of excellence wow because of the hanging bar I couldn't hold on long enough <laughs> it's not that I'm not muscular today I'm super muscular that's why I wear baggy sweatshirts all the time because I don't want to intimidate people specifically yourself wow. uh as you know, people often, and you can read a lot of stories or autobiographies of individual, individuals that have been very successful in whatever company, and it, I would say 100% of the time, it's been the constraint, not the excess, that caused them to be better. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same here. What constraints are in our community? Okay. What, how, how can we be more creative in that, in that way to find a solution to this? And I... I, I just think that would be so invigorating to think, see if some, you know, full circle back to some of the politicians or individuals going for office, just going, hey, come on, what? give us something fresh and, and new that can be a contributor, not um, kind of uh, uh, whatever the other. A limiter. Thank you, a limiter. Thank you, Rick. I was just trying to think of you doing some pull-ups and that just threw me off for a moment. I have an idea. I have an idea. Wow, that is, did so, that just come now or was that like, did you plan the idea ahead of time so it really well, wasn't an idea? It, it is kind of off the heels of uh, Pierre Polyev's when on his on his acceptance speech where he said, we, we do have to take prolific offenders and remove uh, remove their criminal element from this problem because you almost have mm -hmm. a separate issue. And that resonates with me where you might have that 5%, 10% of the homeless population that is preying upon the homeless uh, population. And once, once removed and actually, you know, incarcerated and institutionalized or whatever you want to call it, they, they, once you've taken that element away, then all of a sudden you can really dive in and, and get the wraparound services yeah. and start dealing with that. But the trouble is, is that's the, that five or 10%, it really gets all the noise when it comes to RCMP 100%. and issues and theft and property crime. And, 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 and I think it clouds the issue of homelessness where well, I don't want to help these people because they are stealing from me and they're, they're hurting me. So, but if you take that away and if the justice system you know, carried that along, then all of a sudden we have an issue that we can really sink our teeth into and we can start going, okay, I, I, I think you get more donations, you get more support, you get more resources because people are going, this is the population because we've removed those prolific offenders Correct. that have 400 counts against them. We can, now we can really dive in. Is that, could, could we get there? Yeah, part of that response includes something Kelowna has been working very, very hard at for a number of years and actually came online, but COVID kind of put a stop in it. That's Kelowna's integrated court and another name for it would be community court. And so it's for these individuals that, um, uh, an, an, an offender that comes in and it's integrated, meaning the Crown, the prosecutor and defense lawyers and probation officers all come together collectively to work with individuals to create, to create a plan forward to help them, you know, either whether it's in the response to um, court time or sentence or uh, it's with their probation, wherever that is, so that we don't get those repeat offenders time and time again. And then it it starts unclogging the court system for the ones that need more pertinent and intentional right. um, 
uh, response to that are significant that it and, and that's part of the issue right now is they just don't have you know somebody's arrested it's petty crime there's no capacity to respond to it from a from RCMP perspective or a court perspective like it's just it's just a no-go and so it's you know people have termed that catch and release and so there there's a, a response that was seen in Kelowna and, and hopefully was going to be achieved through this. I think it's coming back online soon, which will really help us locally. But I think there's also, as our, we talked about before, provincially and federally, we need to have some of those responses when it comes to the the power the RCMP has to be able to not uh, just let these people go, but rather detain them and, and properly sentence them and keep them within the justice system so that we don't keep having these things happen over and over again. And you're right, this big arrow goes to my assumption that it's that person or this group of people that are doing it when in reality, you know, it's 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 similar to, you know, drug overdose that the more often than not, people think, oh, it's the homelessness community. It's a far greater issue from those that do it behind the scenes or in hotel rooms or professionals or individuals that are having overdose. That That's a much greater issue than those that are, are facing on the streets. It just looks like it's those people that are doing it, you know. And, because of the resources they yeah, have. So yeah. they can you know, fundamentally get whatever they want their, to get their hands on. Well, absolutely. Similar, similar ideology to the wet facility. You know, people get really upset when, oh, you know, we want to put these people in wet facilities so they can t continue to use. I'm like, well, who doesn't have a wet facility at their house right now, right? And, and, and people, like everybody does. Like, so to, to point fingers at that segment of society and go, well, hey, that's not a way to do it. Well then, okay, get the liquor cabinet out of your house or whatever else you're using and let's have the same conversation. And I go, we, we just have to think a bit differently and, and, and not limit ourselves to our own paradigms thinking that we know what's best. Rather, uh, we have to kind of open our eyes to go, hey, what are some better responses here? And maybe let's not be so judgmental about that person. Are you suggesting that we all have with our ourselves our own inherent biases, sir? Rick, I am saying that. <laughs> Mine are correct. I know that. I don't know about you, though. Oh, fundamentally. Yeah. Like, we have some, and I don't know if I want to bring it up, but, you know, regarding, you know, sports played on on a cold surface. Oh, you're going to go there. Steel blades. It's and still too early for you to go there. I can't. I know it's not because I'm so giddy. Again, so I have more ideas, and and they're good ones. But actually, it was something you said. Well, of course, like, uh, <laughs> talk about it. But often, that's where ideas come from from other people. They just they listen to me talk and like, ba bing, it just happens. Of, because of what you said, I went. I found myself in Medicine Hat, hey. and you said, you know, they have a, a zero. Yeah, that's right. And functional and zero is the functional term. Functional zero. Mm -hmm. um, but interestingly enough. They actually have homeless people, right. and and I, like I biked Correct. around the city, and I I saw these. So whenever we think, okay, we're isolated, we're we have this homeless issue, others do not, and that kind of thing, but less homeless than I think we do. Yeah. Um, and part of it was you said their their plan, which was galvanized by you know an, an right. incident, where they finally said we have to get our our collective brains together. We have to really find all of our stakeholders and then start having a direction, a path, hold each other accountable, not be redundant in our service, prov uh, you know, providing services. Yeah. And we also need to stay on top of this problem and, and, and really try to work towards that functional zero. 
And it seems like they're getting there quicker than we are. And you said something profound, which was, we seem to not be able to do the same thing because of the way our funding Correct. works. And, and that was one of the core issues of why two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. It does seem like that. So do you want to just kind of clarify what that means? Yeah. Uh, the two terms I'll start with is absolute zero and functional zero. Absolute zero, what perhaps most people would be thinking of there's no homeless people anywhere and everything's lovely and you know the trees are blooming and the unicorns and rainbows are out uh, that's not realistic in any community in any part of the world functional zero means that functionally your community is homeless if somebody needs a support housing food rent subsidy uh, mental health or addiction counseling they can get it within your community and they know how to receive it there's a, often a navigation hub. There is a coordinated access that they go, yep, this is, this is uh, you know, where I can find the services that I need. So anybody that comes in. So think of it as a big uh, you know, six-lane interstate highway that has the off-ramps to the different places that you need to go. With the end, uh, you know, kind of the destination would be homelessness, but the off-ramps take enough people off that interstate that there's very few people left at the, at homelessness. That's really functional zero in, in kind of metaphorically. And so that's really where we're trying to aim as well as functional zero. And, and I think, you know, uh, as we move along, we're going to have to face some decisions. In Medicine Hat, the funding went to the backbone organization, which is uh, what Journey Home is functioning as here in Kelowna, which means they're the ones kind of like uh, bringing the sector together, coordinating all the individual uh, community organizations, the different responses, and trying to move things forward, the data, everything to kind of help get towards functional zero. In Medicine Hat, the funding from the government and other agencies goes directly to that backbone organization. So then in turn, they can help direct that funding appropriately to respond to the different areas requiring uh, funding and resources and aligning those organizations to help achieve functional zero. Here in Kelowna, we don't get that funding, which means there's a multiple entry ports of the funding and different organizations in the sector then have to uh, appeal for that funding, bursaries, grants, the writing. Uh, it's an independent organization that does not have the same um, intention as journey home because they have multiple things they're overseeing. Right. So therefore, to try and align people to the journey home task to functional zero is much more complicated because we're not the ones giving them money. As soon as somebody directs your paycheck, then you're a lot more attuned to going, oh yeah, we have to align and abide by this. So it's proven a much more difficult prospect here in Kelowna. And I do believe eventually we're going to have to solve that in some form of function to be able to get there. So it seems like if you were a candidate for a municipal election, yes. you may want to jump on board with that solution. Because, Absolutely. Because it does make sense to me of, again, that intentional uh, work, which is, you know, does it align with our overarching plan? Yeah. And, and really fundamentally what we've been doing doesn't necessarily work. Right. Like, like we're not, we're not getting the the goalposts as quickly as, as one would like. And it seems like, and, and again, this is just anecdotal. I'm riding my bicycle through Medicine Hat and seeing, you know, pockets of it, yep. but not, you know, based on the per capita population, obviously Kelowna has more people and, and I get all that. 
but I but I did see fundamentally less homeless population. Yeah. And and again, maybe there's there's different hidden catchment areas. I don't know. But for the most part, it did go because I wanted to. You said that, and I thought I want to make a special I, trip. And I'm and so glad you out. did that, Rick. And I think that's it, it, I'm I'm super proud of you doing that because it gives you a different perspective. And like you said, it's not it's, there's no kind of clean slate here this is there's still pockets and elements of that and at the end of the day you know we live in a democratic society and people can make their own choice and some people are choosing still no matter how much you provide what opportunities you give them to be homeless you know and to live on the street that's their community that's where they feel comfortable it's been part of their narrative for 30 40 years so they're like hey this is me i'm not going to be able to be housed and so there's always going to be that segment of your community and you know uh, I, I think when you're in a structured city like Medicine Hat, you can actually respond to those people much easier and with much more intention uh, so that those other issues we've been talking about earlier, you know, whether it's the petty crime or the, you know, severe addictions or drug, uh, those are limited much more significantly because you have all those other elements that are in line to that coordinated plan. Let's take a moment. And other than yourself, of course, mm. but is there any other um, champions that you could recognize yeah. uh, as being part of the solution have, and who have probably done above and beyond within the community in your eyes? Uh, and, and again, we only have the room for you know a couple hours, so we can't name everybody. But um, do you have a sampling of people that you feel like they're they're fundamentally even at their own cost, expense, they still continue to to do the work that they need to do and, and move the uh, solution forward more so than anyone else. Yeah, like I have to give, you know, accolades and respect to, you know, our first responders in our community because they're, you know, they're on the front lines. We interviewed somebody on our homelessness podcast a while ago there, Rick, that was, you know, a first responder in Toronto and their experience with, um, what, you know, dealing with homelessness day in and day out and, and actually some of how that impacted him in his occupation, but what he was dealing with. And so for me, the RCMP interior health are, you know, our PAC teams that are responding daily to individuals experiencing homelessness or at risk of it. Uh, that, that's just, you know, a lot of it's behind the scenes and, uh, you know, not and very many people thankless are, that's work. Why, you know, people aren't grateful for it. You're probably getting yelled at. You're probably getting you know, traumatized as you're in it. And so for me, that's that's massive. Uh, two other incredible advocates in our community have been uh, Carrie Rempel and Dr. Kyleen Myra. Kyleen was uh, the chair of the Central Organ Journey Home Bo uh, Society Board uh, previous to me. Her and Martin Bell actually were the co-chairs of the task force in its inception. But her and Carrie in their uh, work with Okanagan College and now UBC continue uh, day after day, year after year to give their lives uh, to the research behind uh, homelessness. And so they've been part of the um, Kelowna uh, research, uh, homelessness research in Kelowna. So it's this collaborative called the Kelowna Homeless Research Collaborative that has continually and still does research projects in partnership with UBC, uh, Enactus Canada, uh, Okanagan College, uh, stuff like uh, they've just did uh, just 
completing a study on the examination of how technology can be used to harness and help end homelessness, and the assessment of various social and health service innovations with focus on traumatic brain injury, like a screening tool, like how can we use this and uh, help identify individuals in our community that might be struggling with that, that we can empower and move forward. They've done uh, integrated housing, mental health and addiction service models, creating allyship in research for, you know, it doesn't sound sexy to some people, but this work is integral to creating what is hopefully going to be that functional zero in our community. Not only that, it's been recognized at a national level. And so wow. they, they've okay. uh, federally had um, responses all across Canada for what they've done. Uh, Built for Zero was part of that, as well as our lived experience circle on homelessness. Uh, that group of individuals, and uh, some of them you might see on the street, others you wouldn't know, but they have been particularly uh, insightful in helping uh, not only our local community, but they've twice presented to the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness National Conference and Built for Zero Canada. And so they got invited uh, to, to share their voices and their experience of what's happened in Kelowna. And they were selected out of all the communities in Canada because of the work they've been doing. So to me that, that you know, we're not seeing that necessarily behind, you know, on the front page, but those individuals have done an impeccable job of uh, celebrating, honoring, advancing uh, the the solving it while hopefully navigating this journey home uh, cycle to the, everything that we want to see, which is that coordinated uh, wraparound effort to functional zero. So one of the questions I do want to ask before you leave uh, is... Oh, you're getting rid of me? Oh, of course. No, okay. No, it's uh, fair. Is we often talk about uh, housing first, and and again, through this wonderful show, Rick and Friends, and thank you for listening, um, is that a lot of people say, no, no, you need wraparound support. You need to get them ready for housing so that they do not destroy housing. Uh, and, and some people, and again, I, I speak of, of different opinions I've heard across the table, and, and they say that, well, listen, if if you don't pay anything or if you don't save any like you don't know the inherent value of of the of the domicile yeah. then you will not treat it with respect or appreciation you will fundamentally destroy it because you did not build it save for it go through the process of procuring it so what would your answer be to those the myriad of opinions out there for shelter first or get yourself right first yeah, it's a both and, not an either or. I think it, you know, if anybody's done work with Habitat for Humanity, right, there is individuals receiving, uh, you know, a house that um, they could not afford, they did not pay for. Their contribution is limited because they're, it, it's mostly within volunteer hours, but it, it's a community of people that come alongside and give time, energy, resources, supplies to help make that happen on behalf of someone else. And I don't think their reception to or care of that home is any less than somebody who had purchased it, got the mortgage and did it themselves. I think perhaps it's even higher. And I think when we're, we're dealing with individuals who are not of sound mind completely yet and are not of, of, of sound you know, and solid, healthy uh, 
you know, roles in their life or even mentors and those type of things. You, you can't just say it's just going to be this one thing that's going to solve it. It has to be a multitude of responses to really help those people. So that's why you need integrated uh, supports so that your community can go, okay, we have this individual, we can look at all the different elements of what's required for them. Maybe it is mental health, maybe it's addiction, maybe it's housing, and indeed find them a place to call home so that we can start that in a safe environment, an environment that is controlled, an environment that is providing them uh, confidence that, hey, I can move that step forward. But sometimes there are some uh, steps required previous to getting them into a long-term facility uh, like rehabilitation, recovery, addiction recovery that are required in some temporary facilities before you get to that long-term one. But we have to have enough beds in each of those areas so that we can respond to those in our community that are requiring it. And so I, I think it's, it's you know, it, it's a broader scope than just saying, oh, it has to be one or the other. I think, yes, everybody needs a home and we want to provide a home for everybody, but it's going to be a multitude of responses of what that home looks like. It was uh, the the lived experience fellow and, and I just want to call him G. Sure. Yeah. He was the that one is him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and he was talking about the fact that uh, Rick, because I, I, I think I asked of him that same question. Yeah. He says, well, how, how do you get better if you don't know what's going to happen to you that night, correct? Like if you have zero idea of where you're sleeping, um, would you be attacked during the night? Um, and he says you you just fundamentally don't have a foundation to get better, and that that really resonated with me. And and again, it, it's just again we're fighting against uh, an opinion out there, which is okay. Well, why should this person get a house? And and I had to work my whole life, work eighty hours a week, save, scrimp you know, take, make sacrifices and I get a house and they also get a house. But I still think, you know, when we think about the cost to society for each person, you start to see the math. And and the math is if we do not fundamentally have that person, yep. you know, integrate into society in some meaningful way, we are going to be, you know, the, the amount of money that it costs us across the board is going to be incalculable. Like that's kind of the way I feel. Is that true? Or? I think it's a hundred percent true because you, you to, to try and get a cost of individual of just taking care of them in the healthcare system or any other different agencies that need to respond to an individual. Uh, it, it's astronomical, you know, and I, and I think again, we come from our own biases and we, we, we don't like pointing fingers at ourselves in, in different areas, right? But we have the liber liberty of making our own decisions and, and making those choices of what I want to do. So if I want to smoke cigarettes or I want to drink alcohol, and are, are we calculating all the costs of those things before we help an individual recover? Are we, are, are we saying, you know, are we pointing the same type of finger at that person that has made that choice to do that? And are we as rigid or judgmental about that? Or do we, you know, or is this homeless thing just seem to be a little bit, you know, worse, you know, or a little right. bit more. And, and I think we kind of level our judgments on these things rather than going, Hey, what's the best thing to respond to this and how can we do it? And, and, Housing is the way that's going to help them because of all those things G shared, which I align with completely. And I think it's it's collectively, it, it, it really needs to be a posture shift in our perspective. And at the end of the day, I think no matter 
where you fall on uh, perspectives or opinions. And, and I'm glad we live in a society where we can have all of them and, and where we can talk about them and hopefully talk about them in a meaningful way. You know, it, it does come down to the heart. Like, do you care about people or not? And, and sometimes it's hard, right? Because we have our own issues and our own oh, deals. And No question. I yeah. was taking my mom to uh, the cancer clinic in uh, Edmonton. And uh, we walk outside and there's about 15 different smokers uh, all attached to a bag and, and pushing around, uh, you know, in, in wheelchairs or what have you. And that was tough because yeah. there's a side of me that is yeah. very judgmental of yeah. here we are. That's right. Right. And, and we, we've we made a decision. Booked, we booked mm -hmm. our ticket mm -hmm. and guess what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've arrived. Yeah. So, um, and again, I, I hate myself at times, but it's very true. And that was the transparency I felt when I walked through the, the haze of smoke yeah. outside of the cancer clinic. Yeah. I just thought the irony right now is not lost. And, and, and again, and that's where some people get, I think, caught up is, well, wait, wait a second. You brought yourself there, so you're going to get yourself out. And, and again, fetal alcohol syndrome. Right. Like that was one of those things where I went, you know what? You didn't even fundamentally coming out of the womb nope. have a chance You're in a lot of respects. Hooped. Yeah. yeah. And I like, think about it. Like, you know, do you, is there ever been a critical person that you wanted to be like? <laughs> you know, like yeah. Right. Like, no, you want to be about people that are positive and energetic and, and kind of hopeful. And, and I think if we have that posture, you know, no matter if we're responding to somebody that's smoking cigarettes or somebody that's, you know, at risk of homelessness or homeless, uh, we're going to be much better for it because we're going to be in a better mindset to respond and a better heart to be compassionate. Okay. So we've soup to nuts. I think we've, we've hey, done pretty good. Yeah. We've done pretty good. Um, I do think it, it, it is, it is going to have course be raised more and more with uh with candidate debates and with platform as as people continue to you know uh vie for the council position or mm -hmm. or mayor's office and that kind of thing and I, I i do think it's it's kind of important for people to kind of understand you know it, it is a a multi complex i mean this is such a convoluted and and complicated yeah uh, issue that I don't think a lot of people can wrap their heads around. So thank you for thank providing you. some in insight and, uh, hopefully we can get you back on the old program because I know, I mean, you're, people you are asking, right? <laughs> like, well, it's okay. I don't like to talk ah. about it. Would you like my Twitter handle or <laughs> now, uh, you I do have, um, if people wanted to go on and, and look at the journey home, um, plan, I guess, or, or direction or midterm report, or how do they get some more information? Yeah, there is a website that people can actually find. So it is journeyhome.ca, just spell the word out, journeyhome.ca. Okay. There you can follow the links and prompts. It's got all the different uh, elements of the strategy, how you can donate, our reports, our team that's part of it, lived experience circles. So that's the best way to go to get all the different information. And Kyleen Myra and Carrie Rempel, would their research also be available through Journey Home or not? Uh, you can go uh, through UBC on the Kelowna Homeless, Re Homelessness Research Col uh, Collaborative. Okay. There they have, um, if you just Google that as well, it'll, it'll show up all the different actually present uh, research uh projects they have going on as well as you can find some links there to some of their results and that and then enactus can is another one that's done through oc that is when student-led which is fantastic and they've done a lot of uh, significant work that's published as well fantastic 
Scott Lanigan, uh, chair of the Central Okanagan Journey Home Society.